0: New Life Church, Bronson Duke here. Thank you for listening in. Uh, We are in our Advent series, and what we're doing is we're just preparing our hearts to receive at Christmas. The Christmas season can be crazy, it can be busy, and it can stifle our souls, but what we wanna do is we wanna prepare our hearts to remember the meaning of Christmas and to receive all that God has for us in this season. Uh, we, We are gonna be in Isaiah chapter nine, so if you want to turn with me, go in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9, uh, and if we'll stand to our feet for the reading of God's word. Uh, Rachel is going to read this for us.
1: The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. This is the word of the Lord.
0: Praise be God. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for all that you're doing in us and among us. God, I just pray that we could take these few moments that we have together. And God, focus us in. God, I I pray that you'd help us clear out distraction. And Our prayer is simple. Come, Holy Spirit. Speak to us. Lead us and guide us. We love you, Jesus. God, we thank you that you're the creator of all things, that you sent Jesus to redeem us. You sent the Holy Spirit to lead us, and we yield to that leading. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Hey, you can have a seat. Um. We're going through our Advent season, which is a time where we just, like, prepare our hearts and we focus in coming in at the end of the year. And so uh, this weekend, we're going to talk about Jesus as the light. Everyone say the light. Uh, I've got some recommended reading for my fellow nerds. Where are you at? Uh, There's a book called Hidden Christmas by Tim Keller. It's a phenomenal read on Christmas. Uh, If you want to check that out, uh, Hidden Christmas by Tim Keller. That's my recommended reading uh, for this weekend. And I want to give you guys a thesis, just kind of what we're going to be aiming at within this message. And my thesis is this, is that Jesus is the gift of light who illuminates the world, exposes untruths, and liberates us from darkness. Uh, So Jesus is the gift of life who illuminates the world, exposes untruths, and liberates us from darkness. So we're diving in uh, to this new season, which is Advent. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be examining our sources together. We all have sources, right? We have things that we go to for hope, things that we go to for peace, for joy, and even light. So here's the question we have to ask is, what are our sources? What are your sources? What are the things that we look to to fill the voids we all have in our life? The voids of hope when things feel hopeless. The voids of joy when we feel down, the voids of peace when the storms of life rage, the voids of light when we feel lost. Advent means arrival. Everyone say arrival. Advent is the season when Christians anticipate and prepare our hearts for Christmas. We are celebrating the coming of Jesus, who's called Emmanuel, which means, anybody know what Emmanuel means? God with us, or God who walks with us. Uh, At Christmas, we celebrate the birth of Jesus, who came as God in flesh, who did not come to judge the world, but to bear the judgment that the world deserved upon himself. A lot of times we look at God, and it's like God came to judge, and God came came to condemn, but when we look at when God put on flesh and walked among us, the Bible says in John 3 uh, verse 17 that he didn't come to condemn the world, but he came to what? Save the world. He didn't come to condemn us, but he came to save us. Jesus is the one who filled the righteous void that we could never have filled in our own life, yet took on the weight of God's wrath in his death. He lived a complete life of righteousness. Just think about that. Like, think about your own life. Like, he lived in complete and total righteousness, but yet he died under God's judgment so that you and I who lived a life of sin could live in God's mercy. The gift of Jesus means hope for our futures, peace for our past, joy for our present, and light for our future paths. Jesus has come as God in flesh, and his arrival has changed the course in the destiny of human history. And, and our hope is that as we go through the season, it, store, it stirs up your faith, right? And we talked about it for those who, who hate Christmas. I, I believe that you're going to love Christmas this year. I believe that the Holy Spirit, that God is going to stir up uh, your faith in the supremacy of Jesus. going to remind you He's going to stir up your hope in the second coming of Jesus. He's come and He's coming again. And He's going to give you a humble desire for the work of the Spirit of Jesus in our everyday personal lives and in the life of our community. What we want for you in this season is to be filled with joy for what God has done and to be filled with hopeful anticipation for what He is yet to do. Amen? So today, we're going to look at Jesus as the light of the world. When we think of Christmas... There's so many things that come to mind before we think of anything that actually has to do with Christmas, right? You know what I'm talking about? Like, there's so many things that come to mind first before we think of the things that were actually present in the first Christmas. What do I mean by that? If we're honest, we think of trees and fat men before we think of mangers and wise men, right? We think of lights on houses before we think of guiding stars in the sky, we think of Santa Claus before we think of the Savior. Amen? Right? If we're honest, that, that's what hits us. Like, even for me, right? When I think about the holidays, it's like, it's time to get some cocoa going, get some jingle bells going, right? Why? We, don't, we don't think like, man, I just prepare myself. Halloween was yesterday. so I'm just prepare myself for the, for the pending second coming of Jesus, right? We don't do that. We start thinking, like, i got to get my Christmas tree out. we got to get all those things. Why? Because the true meaning of Christmas has been largely lost in our cultural imagination. And what's happened for us as Christians, as we've been formed by these forces of marketing, right, more so than we've been formed by our faith in these areas, I believe that we can recapture our focus, though. And so this is something that I've been working through. You know, when we read the Bible, isn't it always so (laughs) mind-blowing when people miss Jesus, right? Like we have a little bit of of, uh, what I believe it was C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery, (laughs) which means we look back and we're like, they were so dumb and we are so smart and we could never miss Jesus as religious people, right? But think about it. It's like, how do they miss him? He's healing people, (laughs) right? Like all the time. How do they miss this? He's calming storms. He's in a boat, surrounded by a storm. His ship is going to sink. He stands up, and he commands the storms themselves to be quiet, and they obey him. (laughs) Right? He's multiplying food, and he's turning water into wine, and not just wine. He's turning it into really good wine. Okay? Like... Like, they they brought out the bad wine at the beginning of the part, or normally you bring out the good wine at the beginning, the bad wine at the end, and Jesus brought the best wine they'd ever had. He's amazing, right? How did they miss it? How did everyone miss Jesus? Here's the question we have to ask ourselves. If they missed it when he walked among them, is it possible that even as he moves among us, we could miss him too? What if it isn't that we're missing him because of bad things? What if it's that we're missing him because we're distracted from the best things? What if it isn't that we're missing him for bad things, but we're, we're missing him for good things that are distracting us from the best thing? Distraction is one of the most dangerous things to a robust spiritual life. C.S. Lewis said, To make a Christian ineffective, you don't have to make him bad. You just have to make him busy, right? Dallas Willard said, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion. I feel this. (laughs) Anyone else? Does anybody know the story of the first Christmas tree? We've got a German in the house, so I know he knows it. Anybody else know the story of the first Christmas tree? It's widely held that the German Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, in the 16th century was walking in a cool evening. And he looked up at the stars and he saw the stars shining with the glory of God at night. And he was like, I want to show this to my children. So he went and he cut down an evergreen tree and he brought it into his house. And he grabbed some wire and he tied candles to the tree. And he said, Look at the majesty of God, right? God's shining in the darkness. He's he's on this evergreen tree that can withstand all the worst that winter has to throw at it, yet it stays green, right? And he talked to them about the stars and the majesty of God. And this became accepted among German culture. And then when Germans migrated to the United States, they migrated to Pennsylvania, and they started to bring their Christmas trees. And my ancestors, who were the Puritans, said, we will have none of that, (laughs) all right? We're gonna have have none of your uh, you know pagan practices, and in fact, if you bring the Christmas trees out and we catch you celebrating Christmas out in any way outside of a church on December twenty fifth. It's, it's punishable as a penal offense, which meant that you have to bring, like there's a fine that you have to pay. And so that's actually the whole point of this weekend. Uh, we had hot chocolate out there. That was a test. Okay, there's gonna be a fine, a ticket on the way out. Uh, the, the team that brought all of this uh, debauchery into our church, you know, we're gonna be find, finding you as well. <laughs> that is a joke if you're new. Um, but it's interesting For 300 years, Americans largely resisted the Christmas tree. And it wasn't until the pop icon, Queen Victoria in 1846, sent out her Christmas card with a picture of her family in front of a Christmas tree with light, with candles and with decorations on it that it got accepted to, within our culture. And actually, the first tree at Rockefeller Center was not put up until 1931, and then the Vatican didn't accept it. The Catholics held out, right? They didn't accept it until the 1980s, okay? And so, so much of what looms so large in our cultural imagination around Christmas are things that are actually relatively new when it comes to what is really an ancient holiday and tradition. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves and that I find really interesting is why did these earlier generations of of Christians resist anything coming into Christmas that really wasn't explicitly about Jesus? And here's the best I can come up with. They didn't want to lose the reason for the season, right? And so they resisted all these things. And so uh, the question I want to ask is, how can we clear the clutter and focus our hearts at Christmas? And and here's what I believe. I believe that we can actually recapture some of the original meanings behind a lot of our traditions. And so we don't have to become weird Christians if you're sitting there it's like, oh my gosh, are we doing a tree burning? Where is this headed? That's not where this is headed. What we're gonna do is we're gonna try to recapture some of the original uh, imagination that's around a lot of our traditions. So how can we not get so distracted this Christmas season that we miss the best things for good things? How do you not get distracted? What's the opposite of distraction? Focus. We're going to focus together. We're going to focus on Jesus. We're going to focus on the meaning behind our traditions, and we're going to join in the ancient Christmas practice or Christian practice of Advent, okay? So remember, spiritual practices help us resist the constant forces of formation uh, that, that the world is putting on us Because here's the truth. If we're not intentionally informed, if we're not intentionally formed in the image of Christ, we will be formed by something, right? And what you consume the most is generally what's going to form you the best, right? And so what we want to look at in this Christmas season is what are we consuming that's helped us being formed into the likeness and the image of Christ? This practice of Advent helps us clear out the clutter and recapture our hearts and our minds around the truth and the hope we have in Jesus. Okay, so let's jump into the text. Isaiah 9, verse 2. It says this, it says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great what? The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Point one, if you're taking notes, is that Jesus is the light that illuminates our path. Jesus is the light that illuminates our path just think about our world for a second. What symbolizes the start of Christmas to you? What's the first thing that you start seeing? We start seeing lights, right? We start seeing Christmas lights. They're wrapped on our trees right outside of the church. They're wrapped on our houses. They're wrapped on trees inside of our houses, right? And and it just stirs up some excitement in us. Doesn't it just lift your heart and your spirit when you start seeing those things? It's like, ooh, I need to go shopping, right? Because they do such a good job of making it feel festive. We're like, I want to go to the malls, I want to go to the promenade, I want to go wherever. Even for the most melancholy among us, we get excited when we see this. Why? Because it's helpful to get a lift when the sun goes down at 5 p.m. All right? When it's dark at 5, it's helpful. All right? Seasonal depression is real people. Amen? It's not real people. It's real. Right, people? Here's what I want to submit to you, is that if we look at some of our traditions properly, they can move from being distractions that clutter our hearts to being aids that help us focus on Jesus at this time of year. We're going to talk more about the Christmas tree at the end. I got a little bit more in that. But, but what about the date of Christmas? Have you ever thought about that? Have you thought, ever thought about when Christmas falls in our calendar year? Now I, I'm about to blow someone's mind. It's not because Jesus was born on December 25th. That's not what it is. What it is, is that Christians hundreds of years ago wanted to recapture something called the winter solstice that happened at the end of the year. And there were pagan holidays that happened around these things. And so what they wanted to do is they wanted to capture the culture, cultural imagination around these things and say, hey, actually, what is represented here, where we want to shift this is to say, hey, when things are the darkest, the light of God shines the brightest. And so they put it at the end of the year so that we could remember that. At the darkest night in the Western world, the light of Jesus breaks through so that he can illuminate our lives and our paths. John 8, verse 12, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. So if we follow Jesus, we'll have the light. We won't walk in darkness. We will have the light that leads us on the path of life. Y'all, in order to do anything in a dark place, what do you first have to do? You have to turn on the lights. When you walk in your home and it's dark, what do you do? You turn on the light. The Bible teaches us this, that Jesus turned on the lights in a dark world so that we could see reality, so that we could see truth, and so that we could walk in the path he's laid out for us. I believe that walking in the light of Jesus, I believe that it's in walking in the light of Jesus that our worlds come into sharp focus. It's as we walk in his light, That what God intended for us as humans comes into focus. Joy in light of Jesus becomes possible. Peace in light of Jesus becomes available. And hope in light of Jesus becomes unstoppable. This is what we'll be doing these next three weekends. And we'll culminate this with a candle light service, right? Right? The, the day before, so the 23rd at 6.30 and the 24th at 3. And, and what I want to say is let's take these next three weeks that culminate at that last light where we bring all of our light together, and let's focus our hearts on what God has done and what God is going to do and walk intentionally in His light. <clears throat> but here's the truth. In order to walk in the light, we have to first recognize that there is darkness, Tim Keller said it this way. He said, no matter what you want to do in a room, you have to first turn on the light or you can't see anything else. Christmas contains many spiritual truths, but it'll be hard to grasp the others unless we grab the first one. That is that the world is a dark place and we will never find our way or see reality until Jesus is our light. So point number one, Jesus is the light for our past. Point number two, Jesus is the light that liberates us from deep, darkness. Isaiah 9, verse 2, the second half, it says this. It says, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Y'all, this word here for darkness isn't just darkness. It doesn't just mean like it's so dark that you can't see the hand in front of your face, although it means that. What it really means, is if, you, if you dig into the Hebrew, is the darkness of death. It actually means like rank death darkness. And it makes me think of a chapter from Lord of the Rings. Uh, where, where are my true nerds at who have read Lord of the Rings? God's people. In the two towers, uh, at the second half of, of the book, um, there, there's a section where Frodo Baggins and Samwise Gamgee, who have a mission. They're trying to destroy something called the Ring of Power, which was this Dark Lord Sauron's ring that he used to usher the world into deep darkness. And they had found this ring, and they're going to destroy it. And on the way, they didn't know the way, and so they needed a guide, and they came across this creature named Gollum, right? And Gollum was someone who was obsessed with the ring. He was obsessed with this power. He was obsessed with this darkness. But he knew the way to Mordor. And so they had no other choice. They started following Gollum. He started leading them. And so he led them through all these different areas. And eventually, he led them up a mountain pass to a cave. And he didn't tell them what the cave was called, but he said, this is the way. And when they came to the cave, there was this horrid smell that was emanating from the cave. And they said, are you sure? There's got to be another way. And he says, this is the way to where you want to go. And so they followed Gollum into the cave. And it says that as they got into the cave, it was the most impenetrable darkness they had ever experienced. And the deeper they walked, the worse the smell got. And if possible, the deeper the darkness got. And they were feeling their way along the walls. And at some point they realized that Gollum had abandoned them in the darkness. And the smell, this reek of death, just got worse and worse and worse the deeper they went. And at some point, they realized that there was another presence, that it wasn't the presence of Gollum, but it was the presence of something far more deadly. And in that moment, in this deep darkness, Samwise Gamgee remembers that Frodo had been given a light called the light of Galadriel. It's the light that shines when all other lights had gone out. And he yelled, Frodo, remember the light. And it hit Frodo in the moment, and he grabs the light of Galadriel, and he raises it, and that light penetrates the darkness, and they see the great spider Shelob who is waiting to consume them. And they defeat Shelob. They go into Mordor. They destroy the ring. Sorry if you haven't uh, gotten to the end of it yet. (laughs) It's about a 100-year-old book, so that's kind of on you. But light penetrates the darkness. There's a few things that I want to pull out here. Number one, Gollum was a guide, but he was not a guide who was seeking to lead them into life, but he was a guide that was seeking to lead them to their demise. Yo, we all have guides in life. And a question we have to ask ourselves is, are the guides we're following lead us, leading us into life? Are they leading us deeper into the darkness and into the pit of death? All of us have guides. And and, and here's the truth about bad guides. They promise you things they will never be able to deliver on. They make promises to you about life and fullness. But in the end, we end up finding death and destruction. Here's the question. Two questions I want you to ask yourself. What is the guiding light of your life? What do you seek the most? And is this light or this guide actually delivering on what it's promised you? Maybe some of the things that you've been looking for as you sit here and reflect have actually failed you. Maybe it's that relationship that you thought, if I could just get into this relationship, I'll be okay. Or maybe it's that substance where it's like, when when I hit stressful times, I'm just going to get a little hit of life. Maybe it's that habit that you've developed. Maybe it's that career path where you're like, if I could just get here, like if I could just get to this place in my career, I'll be okay, but maybe more like sadly and tragically like you got to that place in your career and you're more miserable than you were before what's that thing that's promised you life that's failed to deliver on your on its promise how how do we identify we're going to call these things false guides or false gospels right the world's full of these things what's a false gospel it's anything that promises you salvation that can never follow through right These are the places that you go when you really need a lift and they never sustain you. In fact, after you enter into it or after you receive it, maybe you get a little bit of of relief, but in the end, you're more miserable than you were before. Where do you go? We all have places, every one of us. Uh, And none of them are bad on their own, right? The, the, The badness is when we believe that they can sustain us and they can lead us into life. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's living for pleasure. Maybe it's substances, addictions. Maybe it's just shopping. You're like, ooh, when I get this outfit, or I get that thing. Maybe it's your cell phone. (laughs) Like, (laughs) I caught myself this past few months, if I'm honest, I got twins, I got three kids under three, you know, like, Every once in a while, I just want to escape a little bit. (laughs) I love my children. They're amazing. Have you found yourself in like a social media death spiral, right? And you look up, you're like, oh my gosh, it's been an hour and a half. (laughs) Or it's been three hours. Like, what have I been doing? I'll tell you what you've been doing. You've been looking at Instagram. Closing out of that app, going to Facebook, closing out of that app, going and Googling something, looking for something online, closing out of that, going and checking your email, closing out of that, answering some text and going right back to Instagram where you started. This is what we call the social media death loop. And what it promises us is excitement or relief or stimulation. But what it actually does is it leaves us feeling dead. It leaves us feeling unsatisfied. It leaves us feeling hopeless. It leaves us feeling frustrated. It leaves us feeling anxious and stressed out. It's no coincidence that anxiety disorders have grown by multiples since the onset of social media. Where do you go for light? Where do you go for leading? Where do you go for peace? Where do you go for hope? I wonder if you have ever felt like Samwise and Frodo did. Maybe you even feel like this right now if you're really honest. Like you feel lost as a goose, and it stinks, like it reeks, like your life, there's just nothing about it that's what you want it to be. You're lost in death darkness after following bad, false guides that made promises they could never fulfill. Maybe you're lost in a bad relationship. You're lost in bad habits. You're lost in bad beliefs. You're lost in empty ideologies. You're lost chasing fame. You're lost chasing pleasure. You're lost running from the thing that you felt like your parents or society wanted you to do. But you're more broken than you, than you were when you started. Or maybe you're lost and you don't even know what you're running from, but you're just running. The real question is how are your guides really working you. Could you need another guide? Could you need another light? Proverbs 4.8 verse 18 through, through 19, it says this, it says, the path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter to the full light of day, but the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Y'all, we all have these things, right? Even as Christians, like we have guides that we start to follow. But there's a difference between building your life on something and stumbling back into something, right? And so what I want to look at is like, what are you building your life on? My old guides were desire and pleasure. I wanted to feel good. I wanted to look good. And whatever it is I wanted, I wanted it right then. But in the end... I looked terrible and I felt worse, right? That's where it led me. Under the the way of my old guides, it was easier and it felt better in the short run, okay? The way of my old guides, I got relief easier and quicker in the short run, but it was harder and more miserable in the long run. This is the problem with false gospels. The way of God is almost always difficult in the beginning obedience never feels good when you're having to be obedient. Jesus said, take up your cross, die to yourself and follow me and you will find the way to life. Y'all, that is not like candy, canes and sugar plums, all right? What he was describing was a crucifixion, a death of your whole life in that in losing our life, we would find ourselves in him. The way of God almost never feels good in the short run, but it brings life and fulfillment in the long run. Maybe you've been walking through this death darkness, but here's the good news Jesus turns the lights on. He brings hope when all else is lost. He brings truth no matter how deeply you've bought into the lie. And here's the secret the devil does not want you to know darkness is much weaker than it seems. Darkness is merely the absence of light and all it takes in a moment of darkness is to light a candle and its power is diminished. Once you add the true light, the darkness doesn't stand a chance. There's an old anecdote that uh, is attributed to Albert Einstein, but there's no way for us to prove this. The story goes that he was in a philosophy class And the professor said, "Um, do you guys believe that God created all things? And they said, yes, of course. He says, well, evil exists in the world, does it not? They said, yes, of course. He said, well, if God created all things, therefore God must have created evil. And the young man sat and he thought for a second. And he asked the professor, he said, do you believe in darkness? The professor said, yes, of course. He said, isn't darkness merely the absence of light? Evil is merely the absence of God. And the darkness that we walk through in life is the absence of the light of Jesus. And here's the gospel and the good news is that when we rejected the light, God put forth a plan for him to become the light for us again. If you read the Bible, the first words of God, does anyone know what they are? Let there be light. You know, it's interesting if you go and study this, the type of poetry that was used in Genesis was called a chiasm. And what's really paradoxical, and what's really difficult in this Genesis account is that God said, let there be light before he separated uh, the night from day and sent stars into the sky. How could there be light if there was no sun? Ancient rabbis struggled with this, and here's what they came to. The light that God spoke into the world was the light of his radiant glory, and it lighted up the world, and that is the thing that we rejected when we followed the serpent. But what God did is he said, I will return my glory and my light to my sons and daughters that I love. And he put together a plan for the light to come and walk among us and to suffer the death and the destruction that we deserve for our wickedness, to take our wickedness upon himself, receive the wrath that we deserve so that we could walk in the mercy and the light of God. And God promises us in Revelation chapter 21 that he will one day return and the city that we live in will be lit by the light of God's radiant glory. Revelation 21, 23 through 26, it says, this city, this is the kingdom of God, does not need the sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God will give it light. The lamb, that's Jesus, will be its lamp, and the nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it, and, and no day, on no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. And the glory and the honor of those nations will be brought into it. Y'all listen, God had the first word and God will have the last word. God's first word was let my light shine and be the radiance of men. And when we look at the scripture, when when men came in contact with God's presence, what happened? They shone with his radiant glory. Moses' face shone with the glory of God. We go through all these experiences where people experience the fullness of God's presence. What do they do? They radiate his light. He had the first word, let there be light. He will have the last word. His light will come and reign again among men. But listen to me. His primary vehicle for his radiant light is his people. God has called us to come into his presence, to receive his light, to be formed into the image of Christ, and to go out, with the mission, the great commission of Jesus, and to bring that light into all the world. Number one, Jesus is the light for our paths. Number two, he's the light that liberates us from this deep darkness. And number three, the kingdom of Jesus is the light for the world. Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and of his peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his, over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this mission. Those who behold God's glory will radiate God's light. And y'all, here's where I want to close and where I want to land, and we're going to go into some time of reflection. I believe that many of us, like Frodo Baggins, carry a light that we've forgotten. We carry a power from God that we've forgotten. We did what Jesus warned us not to do, which is to take the light of God and place it under a bowl. But he said, no, you're to be a city on a hill, a light to the nations, a light to the world. An example of my radiance and my glory. And so here's the question we have to ask ourselves. How can we walk in the light in the holiday season? How can we not be distracted into spiritual oblivion and just go through another Christmas the way that we've gone through all the other ones? We can focus, we can engage with Jesus, and we can ask us in this season, God, what do you wanna do in me? We can pray as the psalmist prayed, God, show me, is there any way in me that's not the way you want it to be? God, form me, change me, remind me of the things I've forgotten, that I might be a light to my neighbors, a light to my friends, and a light to the world. Amen? Here's some practical things that we can do uh, this season. I want to encourage you to do these things. Get an Advent calendar. This is something that we're doing with with Georgia now. What I've learned with kids is they love to know what's coming, right? Because they have basically no power in their lives, and it gives them a sense of some control, which I think that's a whole other message for another time, right? But we can count down the days to something. It builds anticipation and excitement. Y'all, this is something we can do for our families is to get an Advent calendar and build an anticipation and excitement for the coming of Jesus, reminding our families, hey, what he's done before, he's going to do it again. Right? And we can read through the Christmas story together. Read a verse. Talk about who God is and what he's done. Another thing you can do, and this will help you parents, you can teach your kids why we do Christmas trees. It's not just simply another holiday symbol or some symbol of materialism or consumerism. A Christmas tree is an evergreen tree. This is a tree that stays vibrant even in the dead of winter. So it is with us that because of the work of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter how dark the winter is or how cold it is, the light of God radiates on us and we stay green and we stay strong and it's covered in radiant lights that pierce the darkness. This is what God has called us to do and we reflect the glory of God. you know for me, just as I've been studying this, I was looking at my Christmas tree last night and I'm like, I am like that green tree. It doesn't matter what comes at me. I'm gonna stay green. I'm gonna stay healthy. I'm gonna radiate God's light. You can do the Advent reading plan. Uh, This is going to be coming out tomorrow. If you want to do this, my wife, Callie, I'm going to give her a a pat on the back. She helped write this for for our church. She was on the team that did it, and they did a great job. And so that's going to come out tomorrow. Go to the YouVersion app. You can do it right now. Just search New Life Church uh, Advent. And uh, yeah, I feel like there's some more details I should have. It's going to be on social media. Do that. I can't remember how to tell you exactly how to do it. I should have put that in my mini notes. Um, But go follow us on Instagram, y'all. We're going to post about it. You can follow along. You can uh, read the Bible every day. You can start joining in God's work through giving. Hey, next weekend, right, next Saturday, we've got Christmas Mall. Y'all, listen, if you're looking for a way to give back this season, come out. Jess, how can they volunteer for that? Okay. Okay. Marius is going to tell you more about that in a little bit. But next Saturday, maybe you could take three hours and you could give some time. Hey, some of you guys are looking at year in giving. We talked about this. We're going to talk about it a little bit more in a little bit. Jess asked for, for $400 so she could buy some more toys. If that's something that you want to give to, mark it under vision. So just say, hey, I want to buy those toys. Go buy the kids some more stuff. What is Christmas mall? Some of you guys are asking. I should probably tell you that. Um, you know, there are families who can't afford to buy presents for their kids. And the truth is, and maybe some of you guys grew up in that, but the reality is, is that, that those kids wake up and they know they're experiencing something different from other people. And what we're doing through, through godly compassion is we're enabling parents to be the heroes. They don't come in and say, hey, this came from the church, you know, sorry, we can't buy you presents. They get to come in and say, man, God provided. And I love you and, and I want to take care of you in this way. And y'all, this is an easy way that we can show compassion and mercy and love the people around us and, hey, maybe reach some of these parents for Jesus. Can I get an amen? So we're gonna be there. We're gonna be loving on them. Um, you know, another way, uh, the, the spirit of the season, and we're gonna kind of close here, is to spend, overextend yourself, right? Consume, which y'all better believe. I'm gonna make some fudge here in the next couple days. I upset, I upset our grandma last year with it. I'm gonna do it again. Make some fudge. That's her job, but Bronson likes making fudge. Here we are. I'm going to consume said fudge, and it's going to be amazing. But here, here's what I want to encourage you some counterformation. In a season of consumption, where can you give? In a season of taking things in for ourselves, where can we give out? So I want to bring it back to this, y'all. If you want to be a part of the vision next year, um, the part I forgot to tell last service this, the part where it says vision, we're paying down previous debt. That's not the most fun thing to give to. But, y'all, once we can pay down that debt, it's going to free us up to do a lot as a church. Amen? And so right now we owe about $250,000. That's through budget deficit. And then building out this building, uh, which if if you know anything about construction, that's pretty amazing. Uh, This place is mostly mostly stickers and paint. Um, But if you want to join in that, and that will enable us to free up more budget, to do more things in the community. Uh, potentially hire more staff at different points and things like that. It just allows us to be more nimble. Uh, You can give that directly to the vision. I want to encourage you guys. uh, If you're not giving, take a step. What better place than to give to God's church and to give to God's kingdom? Amen? Secondly, maybe it's time to to look at your family and pray and say, hey, do we want to start tithing, giving 10%, doing what it says, and, and testing God with that. Maybe that's a thing that you could do or, you know, giving above the tithe. And so I'd love for you guys, we're going to go into a time of response as the worship team comes forward. We're just going to take a moment and stay seated. And I'd love for you to process through this and just say, God, what's my next step? What are some things that I want to add into my life? And, and while they lead us, I'd love for everybody to fill out this card. You know, this will help us plan for next year. And this will help you develop some, some vision for your next year as, as well. Amen. Okay, so let me pray. Give you some more direction just to kind of close, what are the guides of your life? What's guiding you? What's leading you? What are the things that are leading you down the wrong path? How can we reject those things? Secondly, what are some things that you need to add in to help you avoid the formation and the pressures of our world? Maybe reading plans, things with your families, some traditions that you need to start. And then lastly, where are some areas that you can give? What's God calling you to do in that area? Amen. Let me pray for you. God, we thank you for all that you're doing among us. God, all that you've done before. God, all that you're gonna do. Jesus, be our light. Y'all, if you could just open your hands out right in front of you. Just agree with me in this prayer. God, be our light. Lead us. Expose darkness. God, take ground in our hearts that's still captive. God, help us be formed into your image. God, show us the places that you want us to give our time and our resources. Lead us and guide us in that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Hey, guys. Thanks for listening in. I hope that this message blessed you and it helps you in your journey with Jesus. If it did, leave a comment, leave a review, things like that help us spread the message of Jesus. Uh, if you want to connect with us, the best way to do that is to follow us on Instagram at, at NLC Downtown Little Rock to follow along with the life of our church.